Good morning and welcome to the In Squash Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Gibson, and today for episode eight, we have Jamie Crombie, a uh, former Canadian number one, member of the Canadian national team on several occasions, and he came into the podcast and showed up big. Uh, we spent over an hour, uh, not over an hour, but uh, almost an hour, uh, just chatting and catching up, but uh, he had some great insight in terms of coaching, which is what he's doing now at the Buffalo uh, tennis and squash club uh, some some of the things that he uh, uh, does when he's coaching he has an approach sort of uh, it's called the outside the box uh, approach when it comes to uh, attracting and keeping uh, juniors and members interested in the game which I thought was quite interesting um, then we uh, of course we had to get into his uh, long storied career and uh, Jamie as if you know him is great anecdotally and he didn't disappoint had some great stories to uh, to tell us um, including a, a great one about the legendary uh, Canadian pro Steve Lawton who was on the podcast uh, which will drop uh, next week incidentally um, and then also we talked a bit about his uh, current uh, passion. Uh, he's been a member of the U.S. duathlon team uh, for the last few years, impressively. Uh, I guess if you know Jamie, though, it's uh, not a surprise being how fit and athletic uh, he is for him to be able to cross over like that uh, into another sport at that level. Uh, impressive. Um, but uh, if you know Jamie, he's, uh, he's as athletic and as fit as they come. Um, so that the, the enjoy this podcast it's it's a fantastic one um just in terms of uh, upcoming episodes i mean we've got uh, some great um episodes coming up and they sort of tie into what's going on on the PSA men's and women's tours right now uh with uh, the TOC having wrapped up along with the Swedish Open and the Windy City Open uh coming up we have a few tour players coming on the show to share their thoughts and um, how they've been playing and how they've been preparing and uh, really looking forward to that and we've also got some uh, coaches and uh, other squash related content coming up so the the podcast is developing uh, uh, from what from when it started uh, about a month ago and uh, I hope you're enjoying it uh, please keep sharing it with your friends on uh, Facebook or on any social media give it a few likes comment if you like I've had some great uh, insight from uh, from some friends so I've been trying to uh, address uh, some of the things that they've been uh, telling me so please if you don't mind do that yourself as well anyways enjoy the podcast today good morning good morning <laughs> how you doing sir good how are you been a while it's been a while been a minute or two isn't it exactly <laughs> uh thanks a lot uh for coming on the podcast uh today you're in buffalo now aren't you i am it's uh this is my second year in buffalo second year okay yeah time flies man it just seems like uh like yesterday you made that move closer to canada <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, it's a lot more snow. Well, Cincinnati wouldn't get as much uh, snow, would they? No, not at all. I mean, it's more actually the freezing rain, not doesn't get the lake effect like Buffalo. Right on. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Jamie, I'm just uh, we've already started, so um, I'm just going to go through a little a brief bio. I mean, you've got a, an impressive one, but I'll keep it short because uh, I want to uh, get to talking to you. Um, 
you're currently the head squash pro at the Buffalo Tennis and Squash Club. Yes, uh, I am. Uh, re- you reached 32 in the world in the PSA rankings, number one in Canada in 1994, number one in the U.S. in 2005, and uh, I hope I got this right, uh, you're a member of the U.S. Durathlon, Durathon, Durathon team. Duathlon. Duathlon. That's what I. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Okay, <laughs> but I read. I read somewhere else that they said Durathon, which, which, which no. kind of makes sense because you're, you're, uh, you know, as a durable athlete, they don't come as uh, much more durable than you. Um, anyways, uh, thanks for coming on, Jamie. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, how's Buffalo been treating you? It's cold there. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's funny that if it's going to be cold, you might as well get a lot of snow. And, and uh, yeah. <laughs> this year we, we've gotten tons, which is great. So, I mean, I grew up with, I mean, Calgary was freezing cold. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, minus 30. So, you know, uh, Celsius. So this is not as cold, but definitely more snow. But you've, you've been away from uh, the Great White North for, for a little while, I guess, haven't you? Yeah, I moved from Calgary to Cincinnati in 2001, uh, September 1st. So it's been a while. Okay. You, you were at Bankers Hall before, I guess around that time, wouldn't you would have been the head pro there? Yeah, I was there. I left there and then, uh, actually, um, Bob Ballinger, um, I thought he's a perfect fit and, uh, he replaced me and he's been there ever since, which is great. Good yeah, for he them. was on the podcast the other day and he spoke uh, quite highly of you. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll have to buy him a beer. <laughs> uh, so are you part of the Bills Mafia now, uh, Jamie? Uh, I went to a game. It's pretty scary. <laughs> <laughs> how how it so? Is, <laughs> unbelievably wild. Uh, the level of intoxication, uh, the things they do for attention. Um, I mean, the number of tables they slam uh they slam by themselves they slam with their girlfriends they slam with their wives you know uh off of cars off of buses uh it's it's wild well is it sort of a rite of passage though i mean are you going to have to uh get involved at some point i observed this season uh i'm not sure i think uh i might just be more Sorry, I, I, I lost you. You want to be more of a, a, a passive uh, participant? Yeah, cheerleader from the sidelines. I'm, I'm in my, not in my 20s anymore, so I don't think I need to be slamming the tables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, the Bills, um, it looked like they, they were going to have a good season, but uh, then it kind of, they, they fell off a bit at the end. But how is... Um, uh, the squash program there at Buffalo Tennis and Squash. How's how's that going for you? I mean, it's got a little long history. It's um, kind of interesting because I was in um, Cincinnati, where everyone there was based on trying to get a a really good um, national ranking. Okay. Um, and you know, one of the big things with squash in the U.S. is it's a great avenue for kids to get into some of the you know, better East, East coast schools. And, you know, there's not a lot of kids who still play. So relatively to like tennis or soccer or, or, you know, football, you know, there's limited competition and, you know, all the best schools have them. So, 
Um, there was no varsity programs in Cincinnati and there are like five here in Buffalo. So, you know, instantaneously, um, you've got a lot more kids that are playing. Um, right. The, the difference is, uh, they kind of are looking towards their high school team as being the pinnacle and, you know, they're not there yet. I mean, it's, it's not bad, but it just, you know, they're to, to be, you know, number seven on a high school team that plays division six isn't necessarily a you know a great level so it just right. you know re-educating that hey guys there's you know higher level out there and you know just don't be happy with you know number six on your your school team well that, that's impressive uh, in and of itself uh that they have a high school uh program there yeah i mean it's awesome it, it's 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 it mean it's kind of for a small relatively small town. I mean, it's got to relatively have the most amount of uh, varsity programs, high school programs in any other city in the U S which is kind of cool. That's Very great. So that's forward. great for you uh, as well. I mean, as, as a, as a squash, uh, the head pro at the club, um, that's something that you can uh, tap into and maybe uh, obviously something that you want to, you see is maybe as something you can develop uh, further for the for the program and for the squash community there yeah it's funny because my uh i'm busy uh during their off season so oh yeah i'm actually fairly dead during their season because they have you know once you become a varsity program they have to attend those practices right so that's kind of the downside is i actually see them more out of season than in season which is you know something just to get used to so i i guess you're you might know the coaches of their those uh, schools quite well. Then, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, community, uh, the community here gets along great, which is not necessarily the norm. Um, hmm. You know, it, it, yeah. uh, it's it's really, I mean, a really good relationship with almost all the club pros in in town, as well as the uh, uh, the high school coaches. That's good. Um, now I noticed uh, over the the past few years, anyways, on, on Facebook, you've had some decent uh, results from your own juniors over, over the years. Uh, how, how's that been going for you uh, lately? Um, we, well, I mean, it's, I mean, that's one of those things is I've, you know, I grew up in Calgary, which is, you know, fairly, I'm not relatively small market, but I mean, it's, I mean, it's a good squash city Yeah, moving to Cincinnati. Uh, it, it wasn't, you know, it's not a, you know, the U S it's amazing varsity programs just draw so much attention. So it was really tough to kind of get things going. Um, but once you get it, then it's, you know, then people buy in, it's amazing kind of how it, it just breeds success. Um, and, you know, to me, I've got a, f you know, there's a few kids um, here in Buffalo that kind of, kind of get that. You know, they're, they're looking outside of the box of the Buffalo community and looking to, you know, how do they, ref, you know, compare against kids nationally. And I love that. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's you know, why, why be the best in your city when you can be, you know, you know, the best at a higher level. And, you know, once you put that high expectation on yourself, you typically rise to it. So, yeah. Um, and that's kind of my, you know, long term is, hey, guys, I mean if the best you can be is six on a team, that's awesome. I mean, that to me, it just, you know, you do your best, but if you're just being happy, content with 
you know, where you are, then I'm not happy with that. You know, my, 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 I've always tried to be a high end coach where I'm trying to get the best out of you. And if that's your, you know, you're only practicing three days a week and you're third on your high school team, that's not enough. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think, I think also with squash, I mean, it's a, it's very competitive once you get into it, but I think if you put the time in, because there's not obviously not as many athletes in the game as there are in other sports, the opportunity to get to the places you want your juniors to go might be more accessible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, when they buy in, it's almost, you know, because there isn't that depth, you know, kind of other sports, you know, once they buy in and have that commitment, it, it shows up. I mean, it's just, you know, and that's, that's trying to get it where, you know, the kids on board, the parents on board and, and you're doing the right things to make all that happen. And, um, you know, with, with, you know, the difference, you know, I've found too is, you know, scheduling of some of these kids. I mean, their scheduling and the parents put them through is, is so tight. They don't have any time. You know, I grew up and, you know, I always had time to do it. I mean, I did my homework and was a good student, but I mean, they are, they are so, kind of set in their ways. So unless you kind of make that a priority within the family, you know, you're only going to get them, you know, three times a week. Well, that's not going to be enough at a national level. No, no. Um, one thing I was thinking too is, uh, I guess in a smaller, like squash being such a small community, if you get a couple of juniors and they suddenly, they, they rise to the top within that community. Uh, I've found and I've noticed over the years that sometimes that can be a detriment because, you know, they, they, they think it's all about me, 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 and they've gotten to that, that high level. How do you keep them focused on going to higher places? Uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's kind of, that's tough depending on, 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 on the kid because it, you know, it's, it's, you, you can only kind of throw it out there and, you know, put it in their court. I mean, it's kind of the best way. I mean, I, I want them to test the waters, you know, like, you know, you, you have a parent and all of a sudden they enter a tournament and they said, well, they're not ready for the next level. Like, you know, we've got different levels here in the U S like bronze, silver, gold, and JCT, you know, and I will sometimes get in that, um, you know, dilemma with parents where they limit their kids. Say, well, my kid's only a silver tournament player. Well, if, if they don't go to a gold and get, get crushed they don't know what they have to do and and to me that's sometimes where I like kids to throw themselves into that you know whether it's playing a higher level tournament or playing against an adult or you know there's you know those type of things to me are when you test yourselves and get yourself out of your comfort zone you're going to see those kids where they're going to rise up or some kids are just very content with where they are and I mean that's sometimes the nature of what the kid is like personally so but I think that's uh Totally agree with you there. And, and uh, uh, even, uh, you know, one little success at a level that's beyond what they felt they could achieve, that's going to just, they're going to be able to build on that, aren't they? Oh, exactly. I mean, whether it's, you know, they get a good rally against a top player or see the way a player plays, you know, the intensity. And if they come home with one extra little, you know, idea that they can work on, sometimes that, that, you know, that's, that sparks it. And then all of a sudden from there, it's just, you know, as long as they bring it into to play on a consistent basis, they see the reward and it's, it's, it, it, it creates, you know, that whole forward thinking. But, yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, before you were 
before Buffalo, like you'd mentioned earlier, you uh, were the head pro at the Cincinnati Country Club. What, what, and you, you'd said it was a bit different for you, was it? Uh, just the community was a bit smaller? Uh. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it, uh, you know, the, the, uh, it's hard to, you know, Canadian squash is, is social. You know, it's, yeah. you grow up in, and, you know, I played league as a junior, probably at 13, where I traveled with 40 year old men and, yeah. and, you know, they're sitting, trying as hard as they can. And they're sitting around and, and, you know, having nachos, wings and beers after and people hung around. So, you know, back to the scheduling, you know, people played their matches and left. There wasn't kind of a, a huge kind of, um, community where people are enjoying themselves after and you know i just think it's it's a missed part and and it's funny because it's people you know why do you get that connection with squash well that was it you know like it's not a mystery to me why i loved it um and you kind of you lose something where you know you don't have time to kind of sit around after and like (laughs) (laughs) exactly hey you jerk you crushed it you know, you, you kicked my ass today. Let's have a beer, you jerk. Yeah, but you're exactly. doing it in like a fun one. And you're like next week, I'm taking you down. But like those were those moments where, you know, I remember. You know, I, I go back to Calgary once in a while, and I brought, I walk by some guy, and he goes, "Ah, I remember when I beat you when you were 13. I made you cry." And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's awesome!" <laughs> yeah, you know, I day and didn't. I don't remember, but it was you know those type of things, and and it's kind of what made me just play because I never, I never played the game to you know, be a professional or to coach. I, I played it cause I loved it and the people around were social. And that was kind of where it was a little more, you know, when I went to Cincinnati, get on the court, get off the court. And, you know, I try to bring that into, um, you know, a fun factor where, you know, I did a couple of Kromsky skits um, just to kind of, you know, make things fun for my membership. So, yeah. I mean, I, not that to say, you know, people are what they are, but you, you know, you try to add a little more of a fun factor to, to uh, programming within the club. Yeah. I was going to uh, get to that uh, <laughs> uh, shortly, but uh, uh, yeah, I think you brought that sort of, I guess it would be considered outside the box thinking uh, at, at a club like that. Um, uh, there was some event uh, and during Halloween where you play uh, something about Batman showing up uh, and playing an exhibition. Oh yeah. So what, I, what was that all about? Well, we, uh, you know, we're always trying to do things to get kids involved and make it fun for them. Cause to me, it's one of those things that, um, I had a great assistant, Jared Sandler, awesome guy. Yeah. yeah. He was Japanese. Jerry. Yeah. He was the Pied Piper with kids. And, and so our whole kind of MO was basically, just make it fun for kids. You know, if parents were coming watching and there'd be like, you know, six year olds and they're, they, you know, they sit me down and go, Hey, you know, what was, what was the squash angle of that clinic? And I said, probably nothing, you know, a little fun, but I said, do they want to come back next Saturday? And they go, absolutely. I said, but that's it. Just make squash at that young age fun. And so Jared had, uh, the idea for, uh, Batman to, uh, challenge, um, Spider-Man. And so we uh, dressed up in costumes and, and played each other in front of a uh, hundred screaming kids. <laughs> that's awesome. That, that, that's, awesome. that's a great I idea. hated it. Jared loved it. <laughs> you, weren't, you weren't entirely sold on it, Jamie? 
it was more, you know, the dressing up. I'm not a, I'm not a Halloween guy. And no, <laughs> a man wearing tights to me is a joke. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> was it? Wasn't well, that? Well, well Kromsky wore tights. Well, yeah, but that was another. Again, that was just for fun. Well, we'll get to Kromsky in a, in a minute, but uh, also you had um, uh, something uh, called the world's largest squash hockey tournament. Yeah, we, uh, again, for those young ages, I mean, we had probably, I don't know, probably like, God, it must have been almost like a hundred, you know, young, young kids. This isn't a big club, but we just, it's one of those things that just, you know, it, it it's like popcorn just starts exploding once you kind of get, you know, people into it. And so, you know, how do you get kids where, you know, they're, they're too young for really squash, but, you know, the hand eye and the moving and tracking the ball. So we came up with squash hockey where they kind of defend either the front wall or the back wall and two on two uh, teams. And we put up a sign up sheet and we end up like running three divisions of like 16 teams. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> wow. just like, whoa. And literally it was like, you know, the morning of, it was just absolute chaos, Yeah, but in a good way. But, um, you know, kids are getting hit in the head and there's people crying and it was, you know, people like jumping off. It was just, it was, it was no, no hockey fights. I hope. No, no, no. It wasn't <laughs> Canadian, uh, daycare where kids are fighting. Uh, no. Uh, but it was, you know, one of those things that it was kind of one of the highlights of my time in Cincinnati. Well, I mean, that type of uh, outside-the-box thinking, I guess it goes back to what you were saying earlier, you know, bringing the fun part of the game to, uh, to, the, squa- to the squash club. Um, well, ex- exactly. And, you know, it, it, again, it's one of those things, you get your A-type personnel and like, well, you know, why don't they have the racket? Why aren't, you know, the scoring points? I'm like, you know, you get at a young age and make it just too much about, you know, hitting the ball and you know, scoring points. And like, they're going to, you're going to lose. And to me, it's one of those things it's, even though I was an elite athlete, you know, in terms of I'm the, I'm the minority, you know, so get those masses out. And then ultimately from those masses, you're going to get some good players that are going to come through. So kind of, that was kind of both Jared and, and my mindset was like, let's get a huge number of kids at a young age. And hopefully from that, some kind of excel and, and, and do really well for themselves. And uh, were, were you able to uh, achieve that? At, uh, do you think? Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of top 10 kids and, you know, tons of kids I got into basically Ivy League schools through um, getting them highly ranked at different levels. So, I mean, I was really content with overall how uh, the kids excelled. And then, the, you know, the and that to me just opening up one more door. You know, if I get them top 10 ranked and they get a great education, you know, that my job is done. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jamie, I'm, uh, we've been talking a lot about your, your coaching, uh, and uh, I'd prefer now to just look back a bit because I knew you uh, more as uh, the player, the pro, uh, Jamie Crombie. We, we knew each other from way back. Um, uh, I think uh, the last time we saw each other would have been around 1994. I, me and a few of the guys from Nova Scotia, uh, we, tra- we drove a van up to the Quebec Open and played, and uh, in that tournament i believe that was the last time i saw you um you played jp jonathan power in the final uh, do you remember that event i do yeah i do because i remember he was like the uh you know the young up and coming um you I mean you knew he was talented you just never knew he was gonna be world number one but right. um 
I mean, at a young age, you just knew that, you know, it was hard to finish him off. Um, and his ability to just deception was just already there at such a young age, just, you know, and, and, and no one played like that. Um, so, I mean, you know, my experience and I was, you know, I was a, I was a pro at the time and he was just a young junior. So, I mean, you know, you're happy when I look, look back at it. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't shocked at the time, but now I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I mean, uh, he, he has a bit of an affinity with us uh, from Nova Scotia because he grew up uh, his early years. He lived in Prince Edward Island. So we knew Jonathan pretty well. He'd come over to the tournaments when he was young at eight, nine years old. So he hung around with us and he was, uh, he was in the hotel room with us just before the match with you. Uh, that was his sort of uh, MO, you know, he's kind of the rebel uh, at the, you know, he had this little attitude and, uh, but in a good way, he was always a nice guy about it. Um, did you, but you didn't see uh, him, uh, did you see him as a world number one based on the way he played at that time? Yeah, I mean, I got a phone, I got a phone call from uh, John Power. Um, and uh, he, he wanted me to travel with Jonathan and, and uh, kind of take him to a bunch of spots and travel together. We probably did like five or six to the U.S. And uh, so we traveled together. And, and um, so um, right away, you know, he was on the tour. He was, you know, young, but he you know, didn't like to lose, which is kind of a Jonathan thing. And in the final tournament, I actually played him in the finals in Albuquerque. And that was probably the only time we ever played in a PSA tournament. Um, and uh, I mean, just already just the ability for him to just hand play was just already just so tough to play. Yeah. Well, that was a great year for you, though, in 1994-95. I mean, uh, you reached number one in Canada, didn't you? in that year yeah that was kind of near the end of my uh <laughs> you know i've been playing for a while and at some stage you need to kind of say that you know when are you going to i think 95 was my last year um kind of playing professionally even though i, I kept playing for a lot longer at least on on you know national teams but um at some stage you need to kind of say okay um I'm no longer going to tour, tour the world anymore. Right, right. What was it like for you uh, on the P- uh, as a tour player? I mean, you reached number 32 in the world. Uh, what was life like uh, on the tour for Jamie Cronin? I mean, it's incredible because I mean, you. I mean, literally, it's places that you'd never go to normally, and and you're being around a bunch of peers. Which you know, when you think about it, you know, there's so few people you know, with squash to do what you do. And now you're on a weekly basis traveling around with like the best in the world. So, um, um, while at the same time seeing the world, I mean, I, I played and took it seriously, but then I, I actually really try to enjoy wherever I, you know, went to and some, some players would literally go, you know, hotel club, hotel club. I'm like, when's the next time you're going to go to Kuwait? So get out and see it. Like it just, no, exactly. A little, little different way of thinking but I mean you know my biggest win in Egypt I think one of the days I did a trip around the pyramids and on the back of a camel so it was like <laughs> people were like well you're 
we have a semifinal today. I said, well, the weather's great. I'm going to do a two-hour tour and, you know, get back for my match. So it's like... Um, well, that's what I sort of... I mean, I remember about you, Jamie, is you were always... At, I mean, by the time Sunday arrived, I was all, normally out of the tournaments that you, you and I would play in, but you would always be out with us uh, uh, the night uh, before. Yeah, I mean, it's part of, you know, part of it's enjoyment if you, you know... St- put your head in the sand and just live that way. I mean, I guess for certain people it works, but for me to socialize, it's kind of when I'm kind of at my best. I mean, it's to me just sitting in a hotel room thinking about, you know, next day's match doesn't work for me. You know, it's not say that you're out till two o'clock in the morning, but if there's a social function, I'm going to it, you know, um, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Having a, you know, a beer, it's not like I, I drank all the time, but it wasn't to to say that I didn't have a a beer once in a while. I said, that's never going to hurt you. Just so, um, you know, but that it's a, it's a different person and certain, certain people need that, um, you know, structure where they don't allow themselves and they think it's a major advantage. Um, you know, for me just to enjoy, you know, what I'm doing was always the way I played my best. So, yeah. um, I didn't really veer away from that. Yeah. Well, it worked. That worked for you for sure. Um, now you uh, played on the Canadian men's national team on several uh, occasions. I think your first uh, national team uh, was in 1985 with um, Dale Steiner, uh, Gary Waite, and last but not least, Steve Lawton. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> the, you guys went to Egypt, correct? We did. Yeah, yeah. we almost. We almost got canceled because I think uh, some Americans got um, hijacked on the Achille Lara, which I'm not sure I get the name right, but it was a cruise vessel. Okay. So we almost didn't go because of just heightened you know, Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it like at uh, that first uh, team championships? I mean, you were there with, uh, with Lawton. Um, that must have been uh, a good time. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. That guy was, I mean, it's one of those legends in Canada. Um, and just, uh, I mean, Dale, I grew up with cause he was also from Calgary. He's a Calgary and just guy. A, yeah. Consummate professional. Gary and I were both the two young guns that kind of our first time on a national team and Steve, uh, was just out of control. Uh, you know, couldn't get him up. Um, so, you know, certain times Dell would stop and, you know, you're the young guy on the team. So it was like my duty to wake Steve up. And there were so many just crazy stories. Um, but, well, give, you know, give, give, us one, give us one good Steve Lawton story. Okay. So, here we go. <laughs> so at the time it was illegal to uh, drink in Egypt. Right. But they got around that to say if you needed to drink it for medicinal purposes, um, so you had to sign a waiver to say, Hey, I, I need this to, to be well. So, um, Tony Swift at the time had a meeting with us and, and Steve was drinking a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so we convinced Steve to say, okay, we'll limit you to blank number of beers per night. And I forget what the figure was. So we actually bought him all the beers for the whole like two week period at one, one and just stacked them in his hotel room. And so it was, it was my time to wake up Steve cause he literally just wouldn't get up. So we're at breakfast and Steve's not down there. So Dale says, come on, come on up, 
you know, get them up. So anyways, I <laughs> knock on his door, no success, knock on his door, no success. And there's like a cleaning lady on, on her floor. I said, excuse me, can you let me in uh, the room? She goes, yeah, no problem. So I go in and like, Steve, come on, we're all having breakfast. And he's like, oh, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Why? Are you, oh, I didn't drink my beers yesterday, so I doubled it up. So now I had doubled the beer last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're a world champion and, you know, you're the young guy. I'm like, is this what it's like on the national team? And, you know, I, I realized being around, it wasn't. It was just Steve being Steve. And, yeah. um, you know, it was just. But then he'd go uh, out there and play lights out. Oh, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. It was crazy. So, I mean. Didn't he, I think he had, a, he had a big win, at, like a, a big win in a big uh, match against one of the teams that you played, one of the countries you played, didn't he? Well, his style was just so aggressive. Like, yes. you know, if it was a loose ball, he, his racket was in your face, his butt was like jamming you. And it was like, for a lot of people, it was still kind of that clean sport. And it, I don't think it kind of got that really chippy. And he was just, you know, I remember if you had a loose shot against Steve, you know, that racket was on your jugular in like two tenths of a second. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was magical this, how fast that racket would come out. Oh, but yeah. um, you know, he was, he was tough. I mean, he was, I mean, one of those guys that, he tried his hardest. Um, yeah. So, you know, you learned that way that the guy, the guy would fight. So, um, yeah, he didn't like he to be very either. different, um, yeah. you know, polar opposite from Dale. Um, but you know, that's, uh, you know, that you learn from everybody. Yeah. Well, it's nice to have that, uh, you know, those opposites on a team sometimes, you know, it, it eases uh, the tension a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then you had Gary and I that were both, you know, first to it. So, you know, we were like bright eyed and, you know, you're, you know, you're looking at all these kind of icons that you're growing up, you know, following, you're now, you know, playing with them. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, so uh, out of all of those uh, world team uh, events, uh, any that strike you as most memorable, I guess the first one or anything, any after that, that, uh, uh, that was awesome. Probably the most bizarre was uh, the first um, Pan Am Games. Okay. Yeah. Where was uh, that and when? That was Marta Plata, uh, 1999 in Argentina. And we had a crazy stack team. Um, Gary, Jonathan, Sabir, and myself were the oh. top four. Wow. Um, and we all got to the semifinals. Um, um, Jonathan beat Sabir in one semis and I lost to Gary in the other. And then I beat Sabir in the three, four playoff. And, uh, we have the medal presentation and, uh, and in bronze position, <laughs> Mark Talbot. I'm like, what? Mark Talbot. Yeah. And I'm looking at Gene Turk, who was a national coach. I'm like, what the, it was a little, um, a little more F in that word I was using. Right. And he's got no idea. I got no idea. And of course I got a sense of humor. So I'm thinking, you know, this is, you know, kind of some type of joke. And then, no, it's no joke. So I'm like, what the hell just happened there? And so we get this, 
meeting with the organizers and they had this very bizarre rule that no nation could sweep the medals. Oh, so oh. Mark I've never heard of that before. Really? Eh? Mark Talbot finished fifth and he got a bronze medal and I finished third and I did not. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So that's a little bit memorable in a very odd, <laughs> yeah. but well, like, that, I mean, that would I mean, have been crazy. A, who would ever, who would ever call pill to swallow? Yeah. So I've jokingly, when I've run into Mark to say, Hey, I want my bronze medal and he's laughed and never given it to me. So <laughs> I'm still waiting for a package in the mail, Mark, if you're listening to this. Um, now, have you won a medal at the Pan Am games? Uh, like, uh, do you have a medal? I think you do. I do. Yeah. I won in the doubles. Okay. Uh, well, I obviously won uh, teams. Uh, right. Right. Uh, we won gold in first one in Mar de Plata. We won the gold in Winnipeg. And then I won. Uh, uh, no, I didn't. Those are the two. Right. But in theory, you actually did win a, a bronze. So we all and we. There's, there's no uh, debating that one. Uh, there's no debating I finished third. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'm well, still waiting for the actual medal. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, uh, you also reached, uh, incredibly, uh, in 2005, number one in the U.S. at the ripe old age of what would have been 39 or 40. Um, yeah, I, I, mean, I think. I was... So, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, it's it was good squash years, even in your late thirties. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I made a point of, you know, making, you know, once you get older, I mean, you still have to look after yourself, and I always kind of cross train. So I think that the longevity of just not repeatedly doing cord sprints, um, <laughs> you know, which is killer on the body. Yeah. Um, I don't think has, anyone you know, does cord sprints anymore. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying in the old school days, that was kind of the, you know, yeah. court sprints, court sprints, and court sprints. So, um, you know, just think with you evolve and, and do different things that, you know, when I worked hard, you know, it was a little less frequent, but the quality was still there. So, yeah. I mean, there's different ways you can do those same type of workouts that are easier on the body. And I've kind of found some tricks to keep that going. So you were able to stay squash fit and you always had the racket uh, skills. So that, that, that took you places even, uh, even in your late 30s. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And uh, um, I think in 2007, uh, if my research serves me correctly, the Nationals were at uh, Yale University. Tell us a little bit about your pre-match routine during that uh, event. <laughs> No comment. Okay. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it at that. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, now, before we go, Jamie, you, you've been very, uh, very generous with your time. Uh, just tell us a little bit about uh, uh, the Kromsky. Well, um, I mean, uh, I, I thought I was, I mean, it was fantastic while it lasted. I mean, uh, this guy, uh, with words of wisdom on squash and life in general. So they, those came about from basically um, the banquets uh, when I was at the, in Cincinnati. So when we, I first started off, we 
said, you know, who shows up for the club champs and, uh, you know, how, how well attended is the, you know, the end of the year party. And they said, you know, kind of what end of the year party? I'm like, what? And I was kind of shocked that it wasn't kind of the season ending thing. People get, you know, they, people get celebrated that do well that year and you kind of ascend off for kind of the summer and get back at it for the next fall. And, uh, so again, kind of trying to make these, these things fun. I, I, growing up in Canada and watching SCTV, um, and seeing some like incredibly funny skits, um, I would start making these skits and, and, and you could view them live at the squash banquet. And so annually I would do a skit, not my first couple of years, but after that every year I would release a new skit. So near the end of my tenure in, in, uh, Cincinnati um someone asked if I would post it on YouTube and I did that and then I did another one and so I've I've I have got a bunch but those are the two that kind of are are posted and uh, believe it or not there is a third oh really you're the first to know this Jerry okay well it's been uh, uh, we've heard it here first on in squash yes okay my favorite was the the one um the one with the book, there was a book or something, right? You've written or a book of 89 things or was, uh, uh, potions and lotions. Yes. Potions and lotions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing was <laughs> I actually, uh, you know, at, during the skit, I said, you know, send, you know, send me the money and I'm back in Calgary and Andrew Schnell goes, Hey, there's a guy who actually wants to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. actually, it's funny that after that, I probably should have, produced a book because it probably would have i mean i'd have to come up with the other you know 99 yeah, you'd have to think about it a bit but i'm sure right. it wouldn't take uh wouldn't take yeah. a mind like yours too long to uh to come up with 89 potions and lotions no so yeah yeah that well, is the the history behind uh Kromsky and has been some well we look forward to number three uh when it when will it drop are you allowed to reveal that it's it's and there's not a second this Friday. This Friday, when, uh, it's going to be. It's um, going to drop on, on yeah. YouTube. Well, it's it's going to be um, filmed. It's going to be filmed. Film. It's going to be yeah. filmed. It's going to hit the going to hit the the silver screen. Probably the the next week it'll it'll be for everyone's viewing enjoyment. Hopefully. Okay. Well, uh, I I for one, I I think I speak for the entire squash world. We 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 can't wait. Nice, nice. That's the reaction I want. Yeah. Now, before we uh, before we go, Jamie, if you don't mind, uh, just tell us a little bit about. Um, your- yeah. So I'm I'm in uh, Cincinnati and uh, don't really have any competition. And you know, you, you've played squash for you know a million years, and you know, still have the competitive bug. So um, a friend of mine, Rob McFazian, South African squash player who was in Dayton for a bit. Uh, said, Hey, by the way, you should try these, you know, you're a pretty good runner and you know, we could start biking together. And anyways, so I did this race and did okay. And then, uh, he goes, well, in you know, six weeks, there's a qualifying event for the worlds in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And if you finish top two in your age, you get to go to the worlds. And, uh, so I didn't even have a bike at the time. <laughs> okay. So I went to Tulsa and used his bike and I actually won my age category. And, uh, so then I ended up uh, making the team and the finding story was um, he actually pulled out. So 
and went all the way to Italy kind of by myself and really didn't even know what I was doing. Okay. Um, and so it's just been something kind of to keep active. Um, and so now I've, I've uh, qualified for four of these world duathlon championships and um, kind of a way to, you know, see the world, you know, most cases I've tried to, you know, go somewhere kind of exotic. Um, and this year kind of was in Penticton, British Columbia, just actually that was so uh, I could fly into Calgary and see my family. And then they actually, they, we, we spent a week together in Penticton, which was, which was great. That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, are you doing it again uh, this year? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> don't know yet. Again, one of those things it's, you know, now it's gone on a while I've done that. So I, yeah. I like always like to try new things. So I'm not adverse to trying it. Um, but I haven't picked my, um, my event for the year. Right There'll on. be something. I just don't know what yet. So you, I guess you, you're running like a 5k and what, uh, sub 18 minutes. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, yes, it should be sub 18, um, if I'm fit. So it, it, yeah. If you're breaking 18 for, you know, 40, 50 plus, you're typically winning your, your age category, like locally. And then at a world level that gets you competitive. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm attempting to get it to 20, uh, 20 minutes. <laughs> so that, that, that's my goal for the, this year, 20 to 21 minutes, which to me, uh, uh that, that's an accomplishment. Uh, yeah. A six minute mile I'm thinking is cut kind of my go to right now. Yeah. Well, Jamie, uh, well, it's been, a, it's been a great chat. You've been uh, generous with your time, and uh, well, we could go on for, for a while just talking about uh, the old days and squash and what you've, uh, uh, how you've uh, done over the years. But uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on today. Hey, no problem, Jerry. That was great. Appreciate Cheers, it. Man. Thank, okay. thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that was a good that was a good time. Thank you so much, uh, Jamie. Uh, it was a good fun, great catching up, and we uh, we battled through a few technical uh, issues there, but it was well, well worth it. And uh, I know um, we're all looking forward to uh, Kromsky episode number three. Some great anecdotes, some great uh, some great stuff there. Thanks a lot, Jamie, and uh, thank you all uh, for all of you who've been listening. And uh, stay tuned. We've got some some great podcasts coming up uh, over the next few weeks. Uh, Keep listening. Keep sharing. And uh, enjoy the podcast and enjoy your squash.